Welcome everyone to another day of the book club. Today is a very auspicious day, the appearance day of Adwaitacharya, at least in some parts of the world. <laughs> and we wanted to start off with uh, something very special, the Advaita Ashtakam. Let me take shelter of Shilvitacharya, who with Tulsi leaves flowers, water from the Ganges shore and loud calls of love worship Lord Goranga and beg him to appear. Let me take shelter of Sri Acharya. Attracted by his loud calls, the golden lord of Goloka Rindavan, who is an ocean of ecstatic love, appeared in Sri Navadvip. Let me take shelter of Sri Acharya, who by making the moon of Lord Chaitanya rise, flooded the world with a love even Brahma and the great demigods cannot attain. Let me take shelter of Sri Advaitacharya, whose mercy is beyond understanding, and by whose request alone, all-powerful Lord Chaitanya disappeared from this world. Let me take shelter of Sri Advaitacharya, who is not different from the form of Lord Mahavishnu, and whose parts and parcels are the Brahma Vishnu and Shiva engaged in the creation, in the creation maintenance and destruction of the worlds. Let me take shelter of Sri Advaitacharya, who is worshipped by all who is attained only by devotional service, and who, as, and who, as he is heard in a certain Vedic literature, because he is Lord Shiva's shelter, as a name and glory like Lord Shiva's. Let me take shelter of Sri Advaitacharya, who is flooded with love for Lord Chaitanya, and whose beloved Sita Devi and Son Chutananda are also filled with love. Let me take shelter of Sri Advaitacharya, whose heart is Gora's eternal home, who is named Advaita because he is not a different Veta from Lord Nityananda, and who is named Acharya because he teaches devotional service. A person whose intelligence is pure and who every morning have to use these eight verses glorifying Lord Advaita, husband of Siddhartha Prani attains devotion for his lotus feet and becomes very dear to him. Yeah, so today we hope and pray to receive Advaitacharya's blessings so that we may also attract Lord Chaitanya into our hearts, uh, just as he attracted Lord Chaitanya to this world. Welcome, Leela. Thanks for being here. And interestingly enough, we sort of paused at, a, at an area of the book where Advaitacharya is mentioned, so that's cool. Late in the night, to repeat Narottam's lamenting part, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates appeared in a dream. They were chanting and dancing ecstatically, just as they had Mahaprabhu spawned like a golden firebrand. Sri Nichananda leapt ecstatically by his side. Murari Gupta and many other exuberant devotees. Having witnessed this extraordinary vision, Nars was cooled and soothed. When he awoke, he was filled with the joy of meeting his beloved. The following morning, Narta met more devotees 
He visited numerous places where Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had played, sat, wandered, and performed kirtan. Hours passed like minutes as he listened to the descriptions of Mahaprabhu's pastimes from the mouths of the devotees who had personally witnessed them. Narta marveled at the depth of attachment he saw in their time-worn but animated faces. He was reminded of the wonder Uddhava experienced when he saw the love the gopis had for Krishna. The devotees of Navadvip, who had once danced and conversed personally with Sri Chaitanya, were now barely alive in his absence. The only panakia for their burning hearts was constant remembrance and glorification of the Lord. Nartam understood their pain all too well, and reverence and respect swelled in his heart. He knew that their lamentation and tears had nothing to do with the mundane feelings of sorrow, but were due to profound ecstatic love for God. Such feelings of separation appear like severe tribulation, but internally they fill the heart with sublime joy. Nartam could have listened endlessly to their accounts, but the Navadvip devotees were equally anxious to hear from him. They had waited years to meet this effulgent young devotee overflowing with prema, whom Mahaprabhu had once glorified. They peppered him with questions about his life in Vrindavan, about the writings of the Goswamis, and about his preaching. Nartam carefully answered their inquiries and described as far as possible the deep secrets contained in the Goswami's Bhakti literature. The devotees listened attentively, finding incredible relief and happiness in Naratam's company. They said this radiant, his radiant features and ceaseless outpourings of profound spiritual emotions reminded them of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They claimed that in his presence, it seemed as if the clock had turned back and Sri Chaitanya was again enacting his pastimes, bringing them the joy of union once more. The only difference they saw was that Naratam was crying for Sri Chaitanya, where Sri Chaitanya had been crying for Krishna. As Naratam and the residents of Navadvip bathed in the delight of one another's company, days passed rapidly. Though his heart beat widely at the thought of leaving Navadvip, Naratam approached Shukambara Brahmachari and humbly asked for his permission to continue his pilgrimage to Jagannath Puri. Shukambara's kind eyes reflected both the love and sadness of his heart. Mahaprabhu kept us alive only to see you, and now your visit has given us great consolation. It's made us forget our grief for a while, but there are many more devotees waiting to meet you. So it's right that you should go. By Sri Chaitanya's wish, you will certainly execute his plans and perform wonderful service. Naratam blinked back. Naratam blinked back tears. One by one, other devotees gathered to bid Naratam goodbye. A painful lump grew in Nartam's throat, and his eyes burnt as he bent reverentially to touch each devotee's feet. 
As he said farewell to the last devotee, he collapsed in the courtyard of Mahaprabhu's house and cried uncontrollably. Leaving was unbearable. But he had to go. A gentle breeze blew, reminding him of the ocean at Puri that awaited him. Checking his emotions, he picked himself up and began to walk along the road that led south toward Shantipur. After a few minutes, the road began to curve, and the villagers that stood watching him leave would soon disappear from sight. He cast one last glance over his shoulder as the sad faces of Navadvip followed him with tear-filled eyes. Jagannath Puri. Nartam's pilgrimage took him through the charming village of Shantipur, where he worshipped the feet of Advaitacharya's son, Sri Achitananda. After relishing the association of Advaita's many followers, he proceeded to Harinadi, where he crossed the Ganges and entered the village of Ambika Kalna. There he met Shamananda's spiritual master, Hridaya Chaitanya, and was fortunate to receive the darshan of his famous Gornitai deities. From there, Narutam went to Kardaha, where he was greeted with great love and enthusiasm by Sri Vasudha and Sri Janava Mata, Nityananda Prabhu's wives, and their son, Sri Virachandra Prabhu. Thus traveling from one village to another and meeting many of Mahaprabhu's associates, Narutam remained in continuous state of divine ecstasy. He cried, shouted, laughed, and even fainted as he listened to the great souls recount their pastimes with the Lord. With every anecdote, Narutam's feelings of separation from Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu deepened, and he found himself breaking out in spontaneous songs of lamentation and hankering for the Lord's association. Lost in thought of Sri Chaitanya, Narutam then headed toward Jagannath Puri. Following the same path Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself had taken years before. At night, he stopped in the same villages the Lord had chosen to rest in, and in each place he discussed Krishna Gata with the local people, just as Mahaprabhu had done. The simple village people were quickly taken by Narutam's magnetic spirituality and handsome features, and they often tried to convince him to remain with them. Each morning, when Narutam prepared to resume his journey, crowds of people swarmed around him. Following him as he walked, Narutam often found it difficult to disperse these crowds. But eventually, with sweet words, he would manage to bid them farewell and continue on his way alone. In one village, Narutam met an elderly gentleman who had met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The man invited Narutam to sit with him. Come, my, come, my boy, he said enthusiastically. Let me tell you about the wonderful things I saw with my own eyes. Eagerly, Narutam took a seat next to his fortunate, to this fortunate soul, and listened as the old man shared his remembrances. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates came to this village on their way to Jagannath Puri, the man said. I was amazed to see the Lord had walked with the gait of a stalking madden lion. I couldn't take my eyes off his beautiful golden form. He appeared oblivious to his surrounding, as if the land, water, and the paths were of no consequence. 
His devotees, Nityananda, Gadadhar, Mukunda, Govinda, Jagadananda, and Brahmananda, stayed by his side to protect him from the harm. When he sat with the devotees to respect Prashad, he saw that eat, he saw that he ate hardly a morsel. He was so anxious to reach Puri that in the middle of the meal he got up and with a thunderous roar yelled, How far is Jagannath Puri? How far is Jagannath Swami? Seeing the Lord's impatience, Mukunda started to sing and the Lord began to dance. Nartam's smile broadened as he heard of the Lord's eagerness to reach Jagannath Puri. The man's face beamed as he remembered the sights. The residents of our village then had the rarest treat, the Supreme Lord, the hero of Vaikuntha, dancing before our eyes. As he spun around and around, tears gushed from his eyes like the rushing currents of the Ganga during the monsoon. We were all drenched by them. Nartam suddenly cried out, why couldn't I have been here to see such a sight? Then bowing his feet, then bowing at the feet of the man, Nartam murmured, you are the most fortunate person. The old man gently lifted Nartam and continued his narration with barely a pause. Just a few miles down the road, he said, pointing to the nearby path, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates were stopped from proceeding towards Nilachal. A man at the toll gate demanded a tax and he wouldn't let them pass if they didn't pay. <laughs> Classic Indian pastime. Nartam's face must have registered his, in, his incredulity that anyone would dare to stop the Lord. For the old man added, but when the tax collector saw the Lord's grave, imposing figure, he was impressed and asked, how many men are with you? The Lord replied, I do not have anyone in this world and I do not belong to anyone. I am all alone. The entire world is mine. Saying this, the Lord began to shed incessant tears, which flowed in streams down his cheeks. The taxman said, oh master, you may kindly leave, but I will not release the others until I have received full payment. What did the Lord do, Nartamas? The Lord's, the old man's voice shook with emotion. He left the devotees and after traveling a short distance alone, he sat down. He hung his head and tears welled in his eyes. The devotees watched him from the other side of the toll gate, desperately worried that they would be separate from the Lord. The taxman watched with them, and even his stone-like heart couldn't fail to be melted by the Lord's weeping. In wonderment, the taxman said, that sannyasi is certainly no ordinary person. It's impossible for an ordinary human to shed so many tears. He looked again at the devotees and asked, tell me clearly who you are. Whose associates are you? They replied, that sannyasi is our master. You must have heard of him. His name is Sri Krishna Chaitanya. 
we are his servants. They all then begin to, they all then begin crying tears of divine love for their Lord. The tax collector was now dumbfounded. Overwhelmed by the depth of their mood and purified by their association, he also began to cry. He hastened towards the sitting figure of the Lord and threw himself on the ground like a rod before the Lord's lotus feet. Humbly, he said, the great fortune of seeing you is the result of many millions of lifetimes of pious activities. Kindly forgive me for my offenses at your feet. I pray you and your devotees will arrive safely in Nilachar. Lord Chaitanya blessed the tax collector and the party continued on its way. Naratam touched the old man's feet with great reverence. He thanked him again and again for sharing the wealth of Mahaprabhu's transcendental lila. Then he too eagerly assumed the, his journey. Arriving at the Bargi River, about six miles north of Jagannath Puri, Naratam took a refreshing bath in the crystal clear water before entering the nearby village. Many villagers gathered around to greet Naritam, understanding him to be a follower of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. One of the village elders invited Naritam to hear the story of Lord Chaitanya's visit there. Eager to know all the details of, Lord, of the Lord's travels, Naritam sat among the villagers and listened attentively as the man described how the Lord of Vaikuntha had showered his merciful glance on these fortunate villagers. When Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his devotees arrived here, he went to bathe in the river, leaving his sannyas staff in Lord Nityananda's hands. While he was gone, Nityananda Prabhu broke the staff in three parts and threw it into the river. For this reason, we call the Bargi River Dandabanganadhi, the place where Sri Chaitanya Sanyas staff was broken. At the time, we couldn't understand why Nityananda Prabhu would do such a thing. But later, the devotee, a devotee of Mahaprabhu explained that Nityananda Prabhu knew that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the Supreme Lord himself. He therefore considered his acceptance of sannyas to be useless. That's why he relieved the Lord of the trouble of carrying the staff. Nityananda Prabhu reasoned that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is automatically a Paramahamsa. He doesn't need to carry a sannyas danda. Naratam offered his respects to the Bhargi River, expressed his gratitude to the village elder, and continued along his way, eager to reach Jagannath Puri as quickly as possible. So I'm reminded of two things as I was reading this narration. Um, Naritam going from village to village, listening to each village elder, and, and something that, that we can do um, that I was recently spoken about in, in the Wisdom of the Sages podcast yesterday, they interviewed the, the devotee that um, produced the following Prabhupada series. And I thought that's something that we can do. It's so nice to 
hop from one devotee to another, sort of like Nartam was doing from village to village. Another example is like a bee going from flower to flower collecting nectar. It's so nice to hear all of these pastimes of um, the devotees who have experienced Srila Prabhupada's company. Um, and very similar to Nartam, he, he, he was born like kind of straight after Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left. And we also were, were just born a few decades after Srila Prabhupada left. So those memories are still fresh in everyone's hearts. And the other thing I was thinking about was um, uh, going on Braj Mandal Parikram with Parashram Prabhu. And uh, just again, going from village to village, um, just hearing the nectar of, of each uh, village, we'd, um, we were going, it was sort of a pariatra. We weren't really wa walking the Braj Mandal because that's a bit intense for kids. But we were like sitting on, on the bullet carts, like distributing bananas to the kids during the day. And then every evening we'd sort of park up at a different village and then hear um, the pastimes of that place. And sometimes we'd put on a little drama for the village and stuff. So uh, really fun uh, memories of, of going from village to village. And I can just picture what Nartam's experience must have been like uh, traveling to Pori. Um, yeah. <laughs> anything you want to share, uh, Rasa? Anything that came up? I'm just looking forward to doing that soon myself. Um, we'll be having Navadeep Mandal Parikram uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll be doing little walking from little town to little town, small village to village. And we actually got permission from the government to have like our full Parikram. So no we'll be way. Doing the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. I'm happy the pandemic is over in India. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's over or not, but we're pretending it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, that the very place where Natinana broke Lord Chaitanya's Danda is one of the spots of the Navadri Mandal Parikram, right? Uh, no, I think it's further out. It's not in this like Navadri area. It's further. Okay. All right. Anyway, probably mixing up one of the Ganga spots. <laughs> um, Okay. Did you want to read a little, uh, Rasa or Leela, anyone? Yeah, I can read today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. Now, Artem's heart raced as he entered the sacred township of Purushottam Shetra, the abode of the Supreme Person he shivered with delight to think that this tract of land, spreading over 80 square miles, was the Lord's eternal residence. It had always remained intact, unsaved, even during cosmic annihilations. Steeped in profound humility, Narutam regarded everything he saw there, the trees, birds, animals, and people, with awe and respect remembering that all living beings by the influence of the place possess four-armed forms. Though these are visible only to the most highly elevated beings, 
<clears throat> Naratam offered silent prayers of appreciation for the sacred dance, which lies outside the jurisdiction of Yamaraj. In this place, even the simple act of sleeping is equivalent to deep meditation or samadhi, and lying reposed offers one the same results as offering obeisances to the deity. Turning onto the wide, grand road, Narutam caught sight of the towering red sandstone spire of the ancient temple of Lord Jagannath. Collapsing to his knees, he stared in wonderment at the massive red flag waving above the famous eight-spoked Nila Chakra, crowning the top of the temple dome. What a glorious sight! Heart pumping with excitement, Narutam got up and rushed along the sandy avenue toward, towards the huge temple complex. He was acutely aware that his feet now tread upon the same sanctified road that for centuries the Lord of the Universe, along with his brother, Baladev, and Sister Subhadra, had traversed during the yearly Rathiatra festival, riding upon their massive chariots pulled by a multitude of loving devotees. Approaching the main gateway to the temple, Naratam saw two huge statues of crouching lions on either side of the entrance, the Simhadvara. To the right stood a stunning form of Lord Jagannath, with a sign next to him stating, Patita Pavan, the savior of the downtrodden and fallen. Nartam fell prostrate before the smiling Lord. <clears throat> Rather than visit the temple, Nartam first sought directions to the house of Gopinathacharya. Mahaprabhu's beloved associate and brother-in-law of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. Arriving at the house, Narutam called inside to announce his arrival. At once, the elderly Gopinathacharya leapt up to welcome Narutam with a warm-hearted embrace. With tender words, that venerable Vaishnava invited Narutam to sit peacefully by his side. Narutam, everyone here is greatly eager to meet you, but First take some rest, and after you can meet the devotees. News of Narutam's arrival spread rapidly, and Gopinathacharya's house quickly filled up with devotees who had long hoped to meet Narutam. Everyone had questions to ask him, and he humbly answered them all, reporting everything about Vrindavan and details of his travels. Gopinathacharya arranged for prashad to be brought from the temple. After respecting that succulent Mahaprasad, Gopinathacharya asked Kanai Kuntia, his dear associate, to take Narutam for darshan of Lord Jagannath. Passing through the massive doorways of the ancient stone temple, Narutam was overcome with ecstasy and his whole body trembled. He broke ahead of his escort and ran toward Lord Jagannath's main darshan hall. Catching sight of the massive forms of the Lord glowing before him, Narutam fainted. A knot of people quickly formed around him, both curious and concerned about this handsome young sadhu, 
sprawled on the floor. A few moments later, Naruton opened his eyes, oblivious to the people gawking at him. He sat up, and his gaze fell on the Garuda Stamba. Jumping up, he ran to the Stamba, where he stared entranced at the stone. Entranced at the stone column topped by Garuda. This is the very spot, he marveled, where Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu stood day after day, taking darshan of the Lord. Naratan ran his fingers over the rough stone, envisioning how Sri Chaitanya had draped his long golden arms around the column as he gazed at Lord Jagannath's exquisite form. Naratan looked down at the column's base, and here is the crater created by the tears that continuously coursed down Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's cheeks as he gazed lovingly at the deities. Naratam touched the groove in the floor and then saw the imprint of Mahaprabhu's hand on the wall. He rested his head against that sacred impression. All this was unfathomable, too much for his mind to comprehend. By now, a crowd had formed around Naratam, but he saw none of them. Wrapping his arms around the sacred column, the way Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had previously done, he gazed at the beautiful forms of Sri Jagannath, Baladev, and Subhadra. Tears flowed from his eyes in a constant stream, filling the bowl at the bottom of the stamba, just as Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tears had done long ago. Though staring intently at the deities, Naratam could think of nothing but Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. A simple phrase ran through his mind again and again. I was unable to have the privilege of being with you when you stood here. Had I been, been, had I been born earlier, I could have seen you. Why have you brought me here? What have I come to see? All the people who had seen Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, both the local people and Lord Jagannath Pujaris, were overjoyed to see this extraordinary saint who so utterly resembles Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Though Naratam felt such separation, Puri's residents, who had been missing the Lord for so long now, felt as if they were again in his company. For them, it was as if Mahaprabhu's pastimes were being replayed. Everyone was ecstatic. Naratam didn't move from his spot for the entire afternoon, observing all three arti ceremonies. Finally, Kanakuntia urged Naratam to return to Gopina Acharya's house. The following morning, Naratam went to the house of Kashimishra, where he entered the hallowed Gangira, the small room where Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu lived during the last years of his manifest presence. The Lord had remained in a constant state of divine love during those years, manifesting the symptoms of ecstasy and separation from Krishna. His state of mind was practically identical to that of Srimati Radharani when Uddhava came to Vrindavan to see the gopis. Naratan entered the room quietly and reverently fell to the ground, 
offering his obeisances to the sitting place where Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had chanted Japa. Placing his head on the asana, he breathed in its fragrance. With profound respect, he touched the bed of kundali leaves where Mahaprabhu used to lie while Swarup Damodar massaged his legs. Crying incessantly, he offered respects to each and everything in the room, touching the Lord by touching his divine paraphernalia. Narutam felt his presence and his feelings of burning separation eased. Overcome with ecstasy, he rolled in the dust of that sacred site. Walking on to the Totagopinath temple, Narutam saw a very large, enchanting deity with a shining black complexion, seated cross-legged on a throne. Totagopinath, he realized, could defeat the pride of Cupid. Moved, Narutam lay prostrate before him. The temple priest brought a garland and placed it gently around Narutam's neck as Narutam stood. Then he ushered Narutam to Sri Bharadhar Pandit's seat, where Narutam offered his obeisances and cried, O oh, Gadadhar Pandit Goswami Prabhu, how unfortunate I am for not having had the opportunity to see you. Narutam was startled by a heavy sigh. When someone asked, Who is crying? Narutam saw a small form in the shadows. Peering closer, he saw a very, very old and very radiant Vaishnava hunched over in a seat. It is Mamu Goswami, the Pujari whispered to Narutam. He is the foremost disciple of Vakrishvar Pandit and an intimate associate of Mahaprabhu. He has been lying in a half-conscious state for months due to separation from the Lord. Turning to the venerable saint, the Pujari said, this is Narutam, arrived from Nadia. To Narutam's surprise, Mamu Goswami rose. Though the Goswami's body was obviously in a precarious state, he looked exceedingly happy to see Narutam. He embraced Narutam tightly, soaking him with his tears. By the Lord's will, he said, I have now seen you. I heard about you from visiting Vaishnavas, and I yearn to see you, but my heart, but my desire has been fulfilled. Taking Narutam's hand, he led him to a secluded place where they sat together. Narutam, he said gently, just look at this beautiful garden. So many, so many, so many blissful pastimes took place here, right here in this spot. My master, Gadadhar Pandit, would sit and read from Srimad Bhagavatam. When he explained the verses, it appeared that many rivers of blissful spiritual love were flowing from his graceful mouth. Everyone yearned to hear him speak, and anyone who heard him even once 
would never forget the experience. Lord Gora Hari, the master of Gadadhar Pandit's life, would sit beside him and listen to his sweet discourses. O oh, Naratam, there is no end to the descriptions of the beautiful pastimes that took place here. Speaking with great love, Sri Mamu Thakur shared many of those confidential pastimes with Naratam. After some time, Mamu Goswami placed his wrinkled hands on Naratam's head, blessing him and dedicating him to the feet of Gopinath. For several days, Naratam wandered in Puri from one sacred to another. He visited Haridas Thakur's tomb where Sri Chaitanya had danced, holding his dear devotee's dead body. He went to the beach where the Lord had danced to the rhythmic crashing of the waves. He saw where the Lord had run through the sand dunes, mistaking them for Govardhan Hill. And he visited the small parks the Lord had mistaken for Vrindavan. One night, Narutam lay awake in Gopinathacharya's house. Thoughts of the Lord's divine pastimes ran incessantly through his head, and he couldn't sleep. After many hours, he finally drifted off into a vivid, revelatory dream. Narutam found himself standing on the large, wide, grand road, not far from Lord Jagannath's temple. He was stunned to see coming down the road three magnificent chariots. It was the Rathiyatra procession. In front of Lord Jagannath's chariot, Narutam saw Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, surrounded by his associates, dancing in transcendental love. Narutam's eyes drank in the beauty of Mahaprabhu's transcendental form. His beautiful wide eyes that resembled fully that resembled fully blossom lotuses. His reddish lips curved in a benevolent smile. His strong neck, broad chest, and thin waist. His graceful arms that extended below his knees, and his complexion of molten gold, which illuminated all directions. His limbs were trembling in ecstasy, and rivers of tears flowed from his eyes as he loudly chanted the holy names. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu danced jubilantly among his loving devotees as their melodic sankirtan roared throughout the universe. All the intimate associates who had appeared from the world years ago were there, dancing along with the Lord, Sri Advaita Acharya, Gadadhar Pandit, Murari Gupta, Haridas Thakur, Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, Kolavecha Sridhar, all sang with full heart. Narutam stood transfixed, trying to take in every aspect of the extraordinary scene. He watched Lord Chaitanya dancing with such love that all the devotees could do nothing but gaze at him or dance with him in utter joy. Huge crowds of pilgrims eagerly pushed forward to catch a glimpse of the Lord's beautiful dancing. Some demigods showered flowers, while others disguised themselves as humans to join in the extraordinary festival. Even those who were lame, blind, or deaf 
stumbled eagerly toward the kirtan, determined to join in. Even stone-hearted people wept when they heard the Lord's melodious chanting of the holy names, and animals and birds became restless with excitement. As Narutam watched all this from the side of the road, weeping silently, Lord Chaitanya left the kirtan and approached him. The Lord took hold of Narutam's hands and embraced him. Then he said, Narutam, go back to Keturi. It is my desire that you establish a new type of Sankirtan. Through your kirtan, you will reveal my teachings, mission, and pastimes to the world. I will empower your kirtan to mesmerize the hearts of all who hear it. Those who are fortunate enough to take shelter of you will receive the most precious wealth of love of God. Now go back to Bengal and establish the Sankirtan of the Holy Name. Soon you will meet the son of Chiranjiva Sen, Ramachandra Kaviraj. You two will become the most intimate friends. Together you will establish Kirtan and deliver thousands of people from the suffering of material existence. Go and deliver these souls. Go and deliver these souls, Narutam. Bring them into the Sampradaya of love of God. I will always be with you. And I will protect you. Narutam fell at Lord Chaitanya's feet and bathed them with his tears. Then each of the devotees, including Sri Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita Acharya, and Sri Vastakur, embraced Narutam and encouraged him to fulfill the Lord's mission. Narutam jolted awake. Finding himself alone in the quiet of the night, he became perturbed, vacillating between the ecstatic joy of meeting with his Lord and his associates and the unbearable sorrow of losing their company. He could do nothing but chant the holy name intently through the remainder of the night. Early the next morning, Narutam went to Lord Jagannath's temple for Arti. Gazing at Lord Jagannath's smiling face, he prayed for permission to leave Sri Chitra and the empowerment to fulfill the mission he had been given. As he offered his sincere prayer, a garland fell from Lord Jagannath's body. The pujari caught it. Although there were hundreds of people in the temple, he brought it directly to Narutam and draped it around his neck. Narutam considered this <clears throat> to be Lord Jagannath's confirmation that he should leave for Keturi. Narutam didn't speak of what had transpired when he returned to Gopinacharya's house. <clears throat> But Gopina Acharya knew. He said, Narutam, the Lord wishes you return to Keturi to establish Kirtan. Now there could be no doubt that it was time to leave Lord Jagannath's abode. After Gopinath Acharya consulted several di different local pundits, an auspicious date was fixed for Narutam to begin his journey. The Puri devotees surrounded him on the day of his departure. Gopinath Acharya clasped Narutam's hands. We waited for so long to meet you, he said lovingly, and our dreams were finally fulfilled. 
deeply moved by all the love the devotees were showering on him, Narottam bade a reluctant farewell, carrying a basket of Jagannath Mahaprasad to share with the people at home. Thank you so much, Leela, for reading so nicely. Uh, any reflections on what we just read? There was um, one part where when he was in Jagannath Mandir um, and, and he was, you know, near the Garuda Stambha and then when he went to the beach and he was seeing the, the dunes that Lord Chaitanya would mistake as Govardhan Hill and everything reminded him of Lord Chaitanya. And I was just, for me, that just reminded me of how certain disciples of Srila Prabhupada or certain people that imbibe his mood so nicely really remind us of him. And just listening to how um, some people speak of Srila Prabhupada and they speak of him so, you know, they're in so much separation from him. Um, and it, it really reminds me just you know, of course, I never got to meet Srila Prabhupada, but just as Narottam never got to meet Lord Chaitanya, but it um, it does give that same kind of feeling. Thank you for sharing that, Leela. Any um, any reflections, Rasa, on this little section? I think Leela covered it nicely. <laughs> I've got a couple of questions, actually. Um, number one, wasn't Srinivas Acharya in Puri? And if so, why didn't they meet? He was in Arista. It doesn't necessarily mean he was in Puri itself. Ah, he was preaching okay. in Arista. That makes sense. Thank you for answering that. <laughs> the second question was, um, I was just wondering about the mood of a devotee. So, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is appearing to Narottam and saying that your kirtan is going to be incredible and it's going to mesmerize the hearts of so many people. And, and that's a very beautiful blessing for Lord Chaitanya to give. But I, I'm just wondering from Narottam's end, how, how would he take that? Would he... Anyway, I don't know if I'm... I don't know if I'm coming across with the right question, but um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. Like, would he, would he dismiss that as, as a humble devotee and say, nah, uh, my kirtans are, are useless? Or would he be, oh, this is Lord Chaitanya's blessings, even though I don't consider my kirtans so good, I'll still um, continue to serve in this way. What do you think your, um, what do you think is, Narottam's mood as he receives a blessing like that and, and what's something we can take away from that? Um, well, I, I would think that he would be receiving that in a mood of this is a, the desire of the Lord and the service that I'm supposed to do. So he would be saying, okay, I will do the service to the best of my ability and he's the Lord is saying that this is going to be amazing kirtan so therefore it will happen because that's the Lord's desire not because I'm doing it but mm. you need to you know, do the specific thing 
I mean, I think Shiva Prabhupada had the same sort of mood when he, you know, you hear his uh, Jalajita prayers when he's going across and he's saying that I'm not fit to do it, but it's the order for my spiritual master that this mission be carried out. And he gave this mission to me. Therefore, I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, you, so he's humble, but he's not the humble as in the, I'm, I'm not going to do it because I'm so humble. <laughs> but, you know, he's, it's, um, it's that thing, you know, where Lord Chaitanya could have delivered the entire world, but he left service for us. Or, you know, Krishna could have killed everyone in Kurukshetra himself, but he wanted Arjuna to do the work, uh, do the service, and get the credit for it as well. So I would imagine it would be a similar feeling for Arjuna. Here's another another question. It's nice to have a little conversation after each um, reading session. Why do you think it's so important for Lord Chaitanya um, to share Christian consciousness and why he wants us to do that? And it's sort of, we, we can see that with every Acharya. Um, Sri Chaitanya shared Krishna consciousness, then the six Goswamis, then Jiva Goswami sent Naritam and Srinivas and Shyamananda uh, to share Krishna consciousness. Then we see that in Srila Prabhupada. We see that in, in the mood of Prabhupada's disciples, uh, Indra Swami, so many different um, incredible devotees around the world doing their part to share. Why do you think that's so important? Um, well, for me, I the first thing that comes to mind is that one of the main qualities of a devotee is their compassion. And they see the suffering of the conditioned souls in the material world. Everyone in the material world is suffering to a greater or lesser degree, but everyone is suffering. And they have that urgency that they they know how to help. It's, I mean, it's even basic, you know, human decency, you see someone is going through some difficulty and if you know how to help them, you help them, right? Mm. So they know how to solve the main problem of everyone's material existence. And they have that extreme compassion and they feel the suffering of the conditioned souls and they want to relieve them of it. So you see, who is it? Vasudev Das, who is... Um, willing to take on everyone's simple reactions in order to, for them to be liberated. So I, it's, for me, that's the first thing that comes to mind is why that would be the one number one priority of devotees is to help in any way they can, which the main way is to give them Krishna. And the second thing that came to mind in the case of like, say, Lord Chaitanya, even though he was uh, here as a in the mood of a devotee, he's still the Lord himself. And I was reading Brihapagatam Rita, there's this really beautiful section where Gopal Kumar um, meets Lord Vishnu. And Lord Vishnu, there's this few verses where he tells him how I was waiting every lifetime. I, I, have, I was hopeful. I was thinking, oh, maybe this lifetime he will turn and he will come back to me because he was missing his devotee so much. And so he misses all his devotees, which, you know, all of us, everyone in the creation. And these verses are so beautiful. Like you really hear how uh, Krishna, or in this case, Lord Vishnu, he's saying, I, I was so hopeful and I got excited every lifetime thinking 
oh, he will, this time he will come to me. And then I was disappointed because he didn't. And then again, so for me, those are the two things that came to mind. Krishna wants us to come back more than we want us, you know, to get out of the material world. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I, I was thinking as you were speaking, um, this devotee again uh, on Wisdom of the Sages shared uh, that one time he was sitting in um, Srila Prabhupada's lecture in, I think it was in, might have been Australia, but anyway, some someone was a little bit arrogant in their, uh, in their questions and like was sort of challenging Srila Prabhupada. So he raised his hand. He was like, what do you experience when you chant Hare Krishna? Like sort of in a challenging way. And then, and then Srila Prabhupada like sat up very firmly and he said like with full conviction and, and at the time this devotee, that, that was the first time he ever met Srila Prabhupada. He wasn't really sure about Krishna consciousness. But when he heard Srila Prabhupada say these words, he knew that th this was it. And Srila Prabhupada said this, when I chant Hare Krishna, I experience no fear. And that just hit him in the heart. He's like, wow. Because we all experience some fear to some degree, um, especially with the pandemic. There's like so many different fears. Will I be able to travel again? Will I be able to meet my friends? Will I be able to work? Will, um, will my family survive? Will the vaccine actually work? There's so many different fears, so many different worries that run through people's heads. And at least speaking for myself, I almost always forget to chant Krishna's name when I experience fear. Like everything else comes to my mind before that. So yeah, like you were saying, I, I fully agree. This is something that can really help people. And if we see people suffering, why wouldn't we want to help them in that way? So thank you for sharing that, Rasa. Appreciate it. Leela, did you want to share anything or Padma? We've got about four minutes before we end today's session. Oh, I think I think that was that was pretty amazing already. <laughs> I don't. Is it Adwaita Charya's appearance day in America today? Because I think it's here in the UK, but in Mayapur it's tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to check the calendar. <laughs> Did you, um, do you have anything to share about Advaita Charya? Any favorite pastimes or anything like that? Guess nothing. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> That's a tiny just... section. I was just trying to find the um, verse. Uh, it's really beautiful verse, but yeah, it's going to take me too long to find it. Okay, so because of Nitin and the Chariotishi next week, uh, which falls on a Thursday and we sort of did this last month as well. We, we took a, a week break at the end of the month. So we're going to do that again this month. It's crazy how it's almost the end of February. 
feels like it just started yesterday. And um, yeah, so we'll, we'll take a little break and we will continue on the 2nd of March. So. I, I just found this verse if you want me to. Yes, please. That would be great. Um, so this is Lord Vishnu speaking to Gobha Kumar. And he says, for so long, a hope had me dancing like a fool, thinking perhaps in this lifetime, or this, or this, or this, he will finally turn his face towards me. And um, the commentary is uh, that even though Gopal Kumar had forgotten his Lord for many lifetimes, the Lord had never forgotten him. The Lord wanted Gopal Kumar to know this and also to know how eager the Lord had always been to regain the association of his devotee. The whole section is really, really beautiful. Um, wow. Well, I can't read. wait to read that as, as the next uh, the book. For the book club so very exciting thank you rasa thank you so much thank you Leela, as always thank you padma for joining us and see you in march <laughs>